Tonight on the Michelle Mission, we get Notorious from 2009, the biopic of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., a.k.a. Biggie Smalls. And helping Vince and I review that film is none other than the author of the new biography about Biggie Smalls, Justin Tinsley. Also, the senior cultural writer at Anscape, as well as a participant on ESPN's Around the Horn. Justin sits in on the show, and boy, this is a good one. We got a top five movies that share the same name. Vincent wows Justin in his Six Degrees of Dervell Martin, and we have some historic hip-hop moments that we want to see on film, including a very, very interesting one by friend of the show, Dorian Missick. Enjoy this stop on The Michelle Mission. Welcome to The Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner, Hey, what's up? This is Lenny, a.k.a. The Bat Triple. And as we continue into the month of June celebrating Black Music Month, on today's stop, we will be spending time with 2009's biographical pick, Notorious. No, no, Notorious. (laughs) About the late, great Notorious B.I.G. And joining us on this journey, rounding out the conversation and the critique, very, very special guest, author and journalist, Justin Tinsley. Just, Justin Tinsley. The author. I haven't heard yet. Yeah. Hey, let me get all. Hey, let me get all your stuff out. We we like to we we like to uh, help people's business. The Thanks, author please. of the brand new book, mm-hmm. it was all a dream. Biggie and the world that made him. Mm-hmm. Brand new, hot off the presses, in finer bookstores and outlets everywhere. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? Yeah, it it is a true honor and privilege to be on here. Thank you for having me on. I'm over here pointing to the wrong side of my camera. Oh, now I'm actually (laughs) pointing to the right side. But anyways, but thank y'all brothers for having me on. I can't wait to have so much fun with y'all on this show. So let's get after it. All right. Oh, we're going to get we're going to get after it. Absolutely. And how are you? Most how, definitely. How are you, Lynn? How, what's, what's going on with you? Uh, yo, I'm raring to go. I'm All right. Go. All I'm right. Ready to go. And shout out to each and every one of you out there who are watching us. And we are streaming live via StreamYard into our Facebook group, onto YouTube, and it's also on Twitch. I see everybody out there in the chat. How you doing? Deborah Battle says, Hi, Lynn, Vincent, and Justin. Uh, Ashy Feet is shouting out, Yes, we have a guest. Yes, we, we have, have a guest. guest. We have a guest, and 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 quite a guest, Justin Tinsley. Vincent just gave off his, his bona fides. Didn't even mention that like he's a senior cultural writer for uh previously the undefeated now Anscape. Anscape. How did that name come around for the name for undefe- for the undefeated? The new name. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like obviously they they told us uh, in advance about how it came to be, and you know the story that they broke down for me was just, you know, we want the opportunity to describe what our environment, our landscape looks like, and it is never ending. So like it's landscape. So you you may think it's this, you may think it's that, you may think it's that the third, and it may be all of those, but it's also and this as well. And this is what the the, the the landscape of our palette looks like. Um, but, you know, I, I tell people all the time because, you know, the undefeated had created such a uh, a great cultural cachet for itself that you still mm-hmm. have to be like, yo, this is what we are now, but this is what we used to be known as then. You know, we're not exactly Prince and the artists formerly known as, but you know, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it did create a little bit of a name for itself. So it's always fair to remind people like what it, you know, what it was once called because, you know, everybody needs a reminder every now and then. So what you want to talk about? What you want to talk about, Justin? Shoot, we can talk about anything. I just saw the NBA Finals in. I just saw yes. Question. Uh, well, that scene. I think Lynn was about that. Right. I'm not. I'm not a big sports fan, Justin. So Lynn doesn't have anyone to talk about sports with here. So <laughs> you and you and Justin have your sports ball talk. Oh, it's my sports ball. Yay, <laughs> our team. Boo, <laughs> their team. Look, look, look. As a lifelong you know, resident of Philly, I could not have Boston win an NBA championship. Okay. Now I, and I like Steph. I mean, like, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Steph Curry. Seems like a good guy. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. He's, he's hard to dislike. Who's your team? Who, who, I mean, like, are you a basketball, huge basketball fan, Justin? Yeah, basketball has always been my favorite sport. But, you know, the the crazy thing is I, I've never actually had a basketball team that I'm that I'm a fan of. I've always been more of like a player fan, but I, I just follow the entire game. So I follow every team. I try to keep up with them as much as I can. You know, obviously growing up in the 90s, man, like every other kid growing up then, I was a Jordan fan. Like I could yeah. not be a Jordan fan growing up in the 90s. And, you know, I love Penny. I love Shaq. I love AI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know all those guys but yeah i definitely grew up you know worshiping the ground michael jordan walked on you know what i mean like i drank gatorade and ate wheaties for breakfast i I was that much of a confused disciple fan whatever you want to call it (laughs) speaking speaking of ai you wrote an interesting article about ai and his infamous press conference about practice yeah like tell the tell the people what was your perspective on that because it wasn't just about practice to hear you tell. Yeah, like that that press conference was 34 35 minutes long and just in the 20 years since it's been stripped to maybe like a 45 second minute at the most sound like mm-hmm. Allen Iverson talking about are we talking about practice? And he says practice like 22 times yeah. in a short, you know, span period. And I understand like at some point we've all quoted that at some point in our, like our daily lives, it's just become part of public lexicon. But I, I feel like the media, I feel like many people within the media, largely of whom were, were white at that period of time, mm-hmm. uh, they took his words and turned it into a soundbite, turned it into a punchline, turned it into mm-hmm. something that we can laugh about. When in reality, Alan Iverson was talking about like his season had just ended, but the murder trial for his best friend had just started. Like right. a lot of people don't realize before the 2001-2002 season started, uh, his best friend, Rashawn Langford, 
was murdered um, in, in, in Virginia. And he basically yeah. had to take that with him the entire season. And I, I, the story that I wrote that you mentioned, Lynn, was just, if we're going to mention that soundbite, which is fine because we've all done it. Even Alan Iverson has cracked jokes about it at times. But like, if we're going to mention that, we need to also mention the context from what the, from which it was birthed. Like, and if we don't do that, then we strip Allen Iverson of his humanity, which has been done countless and countless and countless times over the last 20 years, which has, you know, been the course of like in, in the black community, so many black men and black women, like you see them as just this one moment and then frame your entire scope of reference around that one moment when in reality it's like we're all human and we all have emotions and pitfalls and pains that we deal with. And Allen Iverson needs to be given that same grace and an agency that you know so many so many other people have been given that's really really insightful and thoughtful and i'm glad like i'm glad you said that and as as thank you i will you know again i'm not a sports guy but i live in philadelphia Mm -hmm. and i was here during that period and and I, i always say sometimes my perspective of sports i think adds something because i'm not in it yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So as someone who had who was here in the midst of the Iverson moment and saw all of that happening, like everything you just said in real time, I'll never forget my cousin when I first moved here told me that Philadelphia is a kind of city that they love a fictional white athlete more than they do actual black athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's everything you need to know about how race and sports work in this city. And you saw it play out in real time with Allen Iverson. Like yeah. everything you just said, like this this is a young, I mean, I guess we'll, we can get to the, the review too in a moment. But I feel like we don't talk about just how young some of these brothers are. Right. Like, like, like and I'm going to repeat this in review, like it actually, like I had forgotten Biggie was only 24. Yeah. Like just yeah. how young Allen Iverson was, mm-hmm. yeah. and for people to come at him with all that, you know, as you said, it's turned into a joke. I guarantee you, here in Philadelphia, I can walk less than three blocks and buy a T-shirt that says "We talking about practice." Yeah, but so much more was going on in that. That that yeah, I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you wrote about that. Yeah, I, I don't even feel comfortable joking about it. Yeah. You know, once I really understood, because I, I, mean, I was like 17 when it happened, you know, so I, I obviously had a good grasp of the world that I was living in at that point. But like, this is, I mean, the internet was around in 2002, but it wasn't as yeah. accessible as we see it today, where I can just easily Google something. You had to, you know, for the kids listening, you had to ask Jeeves, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Remember that? Um, but no, like I, I appreciate that, man. And I, I, I'm from Virginia. So there's a part of me that's always going to be like super protectful of Allen Iverson. And it's not saying that you shouldn't tell his story exactly the way that it happened, but for so long, his story was not told the way that it actually happened. Right. You have to tell it exactly the way it happened. Exactly. You can't paint yeah. your own narrative on it. Yeah. yeah. You think we'll ever get the Allen Iverson movie? Man, I, I I hope, bro. I hope. I, I've been telling people, man, like, I want to write the all, Alan Iverson autobiography. So if we can get the autobiography, then we can get the movie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think an Alan Iverson movie, if done 
in the right way. Or whether it's like an Allen Iverson, like miniseries or something, because even that might give you more of a, and we'll talk about this with the movie, it might give you more of a bandwidth to tell a complete story. Mm-hmm. But like Allen Iverson is one of the great stories to resonate out of this country and in, in, in so many ways that it would take up the rest of this episode and maybe the next two or three to actually get through and like really break down. But I, I hope he does because he's more than deserving of it. I just hope he's here to see it you know, when it comes to fruition. Have you uh, approached him about the idea? I mean, you got, you know, got, you got your bona fides. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've got, you know, ask and, you know, request in. And so I'm, I'm waiting to hear back, but I would love to at one day, it would, it would be a true, you know, bucket list type moment in a career to say, I can, I can do that. But, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm still trying to present the idea, you know, as much as I can. And uh, once I get the idea to really present it in a room where decisions can, you know, be made, yes or no, then, right. you know, I- I'll be ready. All right. Justin is here for the, our review of Notorious, but he is also here to just to have fun with us. This is hip hop. This is hip hop. This is hip hop all, all day right here, what we're talking about. And one of the best parts about this movie, Notorious, is that it is hip-hop history put to film right and and some of the first moments of hip-hop history being put to film because this is a true-to-life story yes which begged the question from me to you is there a historical hip-hop moment you want to see on film okay okay we should probably start with the guests though right you know what there, there is a moment, and I guess to stay on theme with you know what the conversation is around this, it will be Biggie Smalls related or Biggie okay. Smalls Jason, I guess you could say. Okay. Film that it, it, this was a part of Biggie's story that wasn't necessarily played out in the film. Mm. I mention it in my book, but I would love just a backstory on how this friendship evolved how it was cut short, but but it still managed to evolve over time. I would love the backstory between Biggie Smalls and Jay-Z and how that relationship came. Because mm. a lot of people may not know that Biggie and Jay went to the same high school in New York, you know, okay. in, in the 80s. So that's where that relationship started. Uh, I think Jay was around two years older than Big, so they mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily been in the same classes, but you know how it is. You pass each other in the hallways. You're like mm-hmm. two night yes i would have loved to seen that i would love to seeing like the individual stories of just you know their time in the streets and their time you know taking trips out of town to you know make money by any fashion or any means that they had and just the great story that dj clark kent always tells about how they how he introduced them to in uh, in the studio together to perform the song brooklyn's finest that of course you know appeared on jay-z's debut album reasonable doubt this mm-hmm. right. more to the story that I could say, but I, I don't want to take up all the time on the show. So <laughs> top of my head, yes, I would say the Biggie Jay-Z relationship, but there's countless other ideas, which I'm sure Vince is going to pummel me on. So I'll, oh. I'll concede the floor to him. Well, I only have two. I have one that we all saw and then one that has become part of hip hop lore. Okay. The one that we all saw, I would love to see that performance on Arsenio Hall Ooh. with um you you know 
a tribe called Quest, mm -hmm. leaders of the new school, when they perform scenario. Ooh. And that moment at the end when Buster Rhymes does his lyrics. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and we yeah. all and we all watched in real time Buster Rhymes become a star. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. he was the dude in Leaders of the New School. If you mm -hmm. were, you know, if you were like a backpacker dude, and and I remember debates. Oh, I like Charlie Brown. Oh, I like Buster Rhymes. But then the scenario was the moment where he became Buster Rhymes. Buster, yeah, Buster and the yeah. L O N S. Right. Yeah. The other moment that I would love to see dramatized <laughs> is um talking about th these MCs going to high school together. Old Dirty Bastard and Q-Tip went to the same high school. At the same time? I mean, like, Well, apparently at the same time because they battled. Oh, mm. And ODB, I mean, Q-Tip talks about how ODB ate him alive. Really? I, I would love to see that dramatized. Wow. I could see ODB eating up Q-Tip. Not that Q-Tip couldn't get with him, but just right. because of how... He's just so upset off kilter. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you like how do you battle ODB? Right, right. Especially in high school. You right, know, yeah. No <laughs> yeah, especially in high school. You know, it, it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that, Vincent, because Busta always talks about this, this battle that he had with Jay-Z in high school. They battled in the lunchroom. And he mm -hmm. said Jay-Z got the best of him in that battle, and Busta told himself from that day forward, he was like, I'm never going to lose another battle again. Right. Um, so the, I, I agree with you on these, on these high school connections. Like it, it, there, there's definitely a fascinating story to be told there. Mm -hmm. See, you, you know what y'all, we're creating in real time here. It's not the movie of all these like guys getting together in hip in, in high school, you know, meeting up, Jay-Z and Biggie go to high school, uh, Busta and, and Jay-Z. What we're creating is the animated movie <laughs> right? Yeah, of, exactly, just, yeah. of just, just fictional hip-hop high. Right, right, right. The early years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, just see, like, you know, like, a baby red man running around and and, yeah. and, and old dirty bastards, the old dirty baby just running around. <laughs> right, <this> right. <laughs> That's right. what we're creating. Right. right. That's what we're creating. Yeah. How about you? You, you got something, Lynn, or you just... Well, I do. Um, and as far as I know, it hasn't been dramatized on film. Uh, there was an opportunity to do it, yet I knew they weren't going to do it. Um, uh, we were speaking before the show, and I know that Justin has fond um feelings in regards to the film Straight Outta Compton. Mm -hmm. um, but... Yeah. Listeners to our early, early uh, episodes and our review of that film will remember that I do not have fond feelings about that movie. And my primary reason is because I think that, you know, talk about it, it's all a dream. That movie is all a dream, especially in regards to the life of Dr. Dre. Oh, yeah. And what I would like to see played out on film is the real story of Dr. Dre. And specifically, so people can get a real idea of exactly who he was at that time. I recognize that the man be, is probably totally different now, 20, 30 years later. Right. But who he was at that time, I would like to see in some form actually it being represented on film, what none of us saw. And that was his attack on D Barnes mm. in, in Los Angeles. Because that, to, to me, 
again, I try and recognize that it's 30 years later. But when you have an opportunity to create straight out of Compton and at least show, you know, you, you know, you're going to butter some things up as well. We always know that you're going to, you're going to smooth over massage some shit. But when you got an opportunity to at least be real, try to be at least a little real and present yourself to, to the American public and you just dodge everything like that movie does. That's why I call, call bullshit on that film. And that's what I would want to see. Right. uh, I mean, I think besides the, the truth of the matter, you, you know, just presenting this factual account, I think that also speaks to something that not to, to bleed into the review Mm -hmm. that I, I feel like that, and this, and, and we were talking about all eyes on me, kind of dropped the ball a little bit too. And it's kind of capturing just how volatile the energy was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in hip hop at this moment. Yeah. And and how you had, like you could actually have an environment where an artist attacks a journalist. Right. Like, 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 like outside of just, just how horrible and terrible that was Mm -hmm. just you just think about that an artist attacked a journalist and we all just kind of frankly went with it but i think that's really reflective of of again it was real chaotic in hip-hop culture at this moment before it you know i would say even now where where hip-hop is a billion dollar business Mm -hmm. like so much that happened during those days, the formative, the form, like you couldn't imagine that happening now, like well, well, like kind well, of that transitional period between it was kind of like street culture, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of passed tapes around, and now you know Snoop does stuff with um, uh, Martha Stewart. with Martha Stewart, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that I think that would 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 definitely lend itself to that kind of observation for people who weren't there yeah i think with uh obviously with the way the genre is now it's the most streamed it's the most consumed that you know hip-hop and r&b like in 2021 hip-hop and r&b accounted for i believe 31 percent of all musical streams at least in america Mm -hmm. which we know has a direct influence on what is popular you know around the world so yeah I don't I don't think when, you know, Eric B and Rakim dropped Paid in Full in 1988, I don't think anybody ever saw the genre becoming, you know, what it is now. Into Very true. But that's a testament to the, the genre's resiliency, the genre's creative creativity. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's a way to just innovate itself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as, as it regards to Straight Outta Compton and in regard, as it regards to Dr. Dre, um, I think the movie was, of course, there's always going to be things skewered towards a certain a, a, swart, a certain direction, especially when some people are involved with the project. I, I, you know, I was impressed more with the actual NWA element. I'm, I'm talking about NWA with Cube. Everything yeah. after Cube, yeah. that's when things starts to get, it starts to get really, you know, uh, let's just say, con- I ain't going to say controversial, but like, there starts to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen in terms of the story that was actually being told. So mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was good up to then. But yeah, Dre, I think Dre understood that 
he dropped the ball to address a major part of his story, regardless of how much it's tried not to be major over the years, which is why, you know, he probably addressed it in the Defiant Ones, the, the HBO documentary that came out in 2017. But yeah. by then, like you said, like you already had a chance to mention it in the movie. There's also some historical discrepancy. Not that, that take that back. Or is it um no, it is uh straight out of Compton when Dre gets uh pulled over for like oh, driving yeah. in the car, mm-hmm. but Tupac is in the studio recording California Love. I'm like, that actually can't happen because <laughs> Tupac wasn't on death row when you got pulled over for that. Tupac was actually still, you know, in his sexual assault rape case at that point. Exactly. Still, so, but yes. Um, but yeah, it, it's it I wish Dre would have addressed it in that film, but I mean it doesn't surprise me that he didn't either. I, I thought the NWA portion of Straight Out of Compton was a lot better once you know the individual you know participants in the group did their own separate thing. Right. Definitely. Right. Uh Farrell Blackwell has a, a moment that he would like to see traumatized, uh yeah. akin, akin to Elvis Presley going to the White House. Okay. He would like to see dramatize the moment when Easy E goes that to the is, White House. It's a sur- is, yeah. It's a surreal moment. Yeah. Like it's surreal that Easy E went to the White House. Yeah. Easy E. Right, right. Of all the figures <laughs> in hip hop. <laughs> right, right. Of all the figures in NWA. Yeah, for sure. Like right. I, I would expect to see Cube at the White House. This is Cube in 1989, 1990. Mm-hmm. Right or easy, you know, right, so. right, yeah. So that that's a good one. I, as I mentioned, I I reached out to a couple a couple of friends of the show for moments. Um, I reached out to Arson, the voice of reason of the hip hop bluegrass band Gangsta Grass. Um, this is not necessarily a historical moment, but he would like to see the song "Black Steel in the Hour of Chaos" by Public Enemy. Ooh. done as a feature film yeah that yeah. that is very fa- man he need to copyright that now <laughs> take that idea that, is- <laughs> that would yeah like chuck yeah. d just opens up a letter and it just says in big block letters we are suckers <laughs> yeah like that that you could you could fill up 120 140 minutes with that most yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 40 minutes with that for sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. All right. So it is here recorded on the show. There you go. So we got you. Austin. I was about to say. We got you covered. Yeah, that, that's yours. All right. We, we're going to, and we may have to take that over to Maori Holmes, uh, Black Star Projects. I reached out to her. She suggested the moment in 1995 when. Outcast was mm. won and was booed at the Source Awards. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were representing for the South. Yeah, look, I, I look. Talking about moments in um notorious that you don't see, like, 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 just I always think of flash points from that period, and I always think of Snoop getting booed, and I forget which award show it was at. It may have been the source of words. It was words. The source of words. And Snoop came up on the mic and 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 was heartbroken. He was like, "Y'all gonna boo Snoop?" <laughs> and it really was like, "Wow, this this has really gotten out of control." Because people are booing Snoop, and everybody loves Snoop. Everybody loves Snoop. But things had really spiraled 
at that point. You chose your side. Right. Where even Snoop was like, y'all going to boo Snoop? Choose now, to be fair, everybody loves Snoop in 2022. Okay, Snoop true. in 1995? Yeah, true. Yeah, like, everybody you know, this is Snoop. Murder was the case. He was he was still on his murder trial at that point. Not saying yeah. that, that turned like rap fans against him or anything, but yeah, like the Snoop we see with Mark with Martha Stewart and doing <laughs> all the commercials with you know Ryan Sandberg, like yeah, like cut the stuff off your calendar on your cell phone. This wasn't the Snoop <laughs> that we knew. Snoop is still 1995, was still murder was the case, Snoop. Yeah, you know, so he 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 could get a little testy when he wanted to as well. Most definitely. Uh, you know, that brings a, a question, uh, uh, Justin. What do, what do you think it is about Snoop um, that has allowed him to become as embraced as he has by the, the general public? Honestly, man, the answer is he had a chance to live. Mm. Wow. He had a chance to live. Like we like we're gonna talk a lot about Biggie on, on this episode. I'm sure we're gonna talk a lot about Tupac as well. But the, you know, these are his contemporaries. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like and we always we always ask the question, like over the past even even over a month, like, but I would definitely say over the past month and change since you know the book came out, people have asked me, like, what do you think Biggie Smalls at 50 looks like? And I try to give an answer and, you know, I give an answer, but there's no way to know about, you know, how he would have changed over the course, not even just in the course of the 1990s, but the early 2000s, the mid 2000s, the late 2000s, the the Barack Obama era of of life, you know, the Donald Trump era of life. And like, there's no way to know how these people uh, would have grown or anything. But with Snoop, we, we know how his story has played out because, he was from that same era. He was from that same, you know, chaos and vitriol as y'all were just naming just among, you know, talking about that era of rap. Like he survived it all. Like I tell people all the time, you go look at that vibe cover um, where it says mm-hmm. all eyes on death row, where it's Suge, it's Pac, it's Dre, it's Snoop. Like you can make the argument that like Snoop has lived the most. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you just talk about Dr. Dre and, you know, the things that, you know, he has or has not addressed over the course of his life. And how, you know, basically for the last decade plus, he's kind of been a behind the scenes guy. He's always mm-hmm. been a behind the scenes guy, but even more so. Um, Tupac obviously perished in, 1990, in 1996. And Suge, for all we know, you know, Suge is going to spend a natural, the, the rest of his natural born life in prison. It's Snoop who has reinvented himself, not just once, not just twice, but countless times, man. Yeah, like Snoop yeah. has lived. Snoop mm-hmm. has lived. Before. You may not agree with every decision he's made. I haven't, but I, I give him credit. This like, he's had the opportunity to grow into like this, this loving figure. When at one point he was on the cover of Newsweek talking about a, a, a murder. Right. Right. You, right. you know, Justin, you sound like you're putting together notes in an outline for a new book. Man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Y'all, y'all recording this on y'all in, so I'm gonna send this to me so I can go back and transcribe it. <laughs> Out of the billion things I said, at least one is gonna make sense. <laughs> we uh, I, we also reached out to good friend of the show, actor Dorian Missick, um, for his hip hop moment, mm-hmm. and this is not necessarily a historic moment, 
But I think it's an interesting moment. It's the moment where Big Daddy Kane moves into his new apartment. (laughs) And I read directly from Dorian. I heard Big Daddy Kane tell a story about moving into his first apartment. He said that KRS-One and Miss Melody helped him carry his couch into the crib. (laughs) Then they sat down with a six-pack of beer and watched a VHS of the color purple. Yo, that is awesome. <laughs> what is that? that? That is awesome. That is the scene in my favorite movie right now. That seems like a scene after you've had some bad oxtails and you fell asleep and you're having a fever dream. <laughs> and you wake up and Miss Melody and Right. Like, if you told somebody I had a dream that Big Daddy Kane, Miss Melody, and KRS-One sat on the sofa and watched The Color Purple, someone's going to ask you, are you having a stroke? Are you high? <laughs> yeah, that that is... Okay. <laughs> Have y'all ever seen the show? It used to come on, I believe it was Comedy Central. It was called Tales from the Tour Bus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want to bring that back, but for like strictly like black stories. And this right here could be a scene in an episode. Like like Big Daddy came moving into his apartment, Miss yes. Melody, you know what I mean? Uh KRS. Like that right there. Cause look, I tell you one thing. It was three people in that apartment and one couch. <laughs> <laughs> there was at least one unsober person. In, in in that trio. I don't know who it is. I right, know. right. Look, there's going to be some incredible story right. to tell about this. So, right. like, like, you actually want the commentary to the color purple. Yeah, exactly. From, the, right. from, those, from those three. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I, don't, I don't need the commentary about moving the couch in. I've I've helped friends move, and I know how miserable that is. Right. Give me what I came here for. Give, like you said, give me the color purple commentary. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be insane. That, that, that be is weird. phenomenal. That is that is so that is so dope. That is that is really actually that puts the whole versus with Kane versus K- KRS one into a whole nother light. Right. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Sure. Because I always envisioned, I don't, and I don't know why, but I always envisioned that Kane, of course, knew KRS one. Right. But they like kind of like you know. Like work buddies, like we, we right, do hip-hop. right, 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 we both right. Do hip hop. Like if you would, if you would have asked who helped Big Daddy Kane move his couch, it'd have been Biz. I was about to say you go right to Biz, yeah, or Marley, up. like Marley Mall helped him, right? But yeah. you never would have thought. Well, Karis one and Miss Melody and his wife, right, helped him. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which which points to like indeed sincere friendship, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so dope. Well, it's there you like go. They were walking by, walking by. One day. Hey, Karis, what you doing? Nothing. I got kind of <laughs> Want to help me move into my apartment? Sure. Like, no, I know that's not the story. No, that right. ain't what happened. Right. That ain't, right. That ain't what happened. Right. Not at all. That's, that's cool. All right. All right. Great, great suggestion. I, I, I love that. I, I absolutely love it. Um, Let's see. I'm looking here in the chats to see if anyone. Oh, uh, Terrell Spiva hey, says, up, I want to see that. PE digital underground tour from the point of view of the roadies like Pac, especially the leg of the tour where leaders of the new school got their group name. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. That's a really, that, that that's was, a really good one. Yeah. Like, there was so many like dope people who were on that tour. Like, obviously Tupac. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I believe uh, one Queen Latifah on that tour as well. Like, I think, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. She was on that tour. Yeah, it was a great moment. Like you would get these tours like that, yeah. where you just get this conglomerate of people mm-hmm. who were all kind of at. Like it really was, you know, obvious. Maybe not obviously, but you know, we we're nineties hip hop guys. So to me, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. But it really was this sweet spot before things became so huge. Yeah. Like yeah. you couldn't, you know, like I'll say I saw um Goody Mob, um, the Fugees mm-hmm. and Roots on the same show. Right, right. Like you would never see a show like that. You'll never, yeah, you'll never see that again. Right. Most definitely. You know what? I I don't know if this has been a movie. You'll correct me as it if I'm wrong, Vincent. I would like to see a movie. And maybe it's probably been a documentary, but definitely a movie of the Hilltop Hustlers. Oh, yeah. The story of uh, Cool C, mm-hmm. Steady B, yeah. like the, the rise and fall of, of, yeah. of them, you know, three times dope. I think that might be an, a, uh, an interesting story. And it's one a lot of people don't know. A lot, yeah. yeah, it's one yeah. of those stories that's yeah. lost like, I think time. I think Philly hip hop is a blind spot yeah. mm-hmm. for a lot of people as time goes. As yeah, outside of outside of on. Will, yeah, and, and like, like who else? I, was, I mean, I the roots say, now, and the roots, the roots. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say a lot of people think Philly hip hop starts with like you know, you know, Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff, which is obviously an irreplaceable part of that city's like hip hop history. But no, it's a little bit before them too, and and they tell you the same thing. Oh, oh, yo, you could get a story. You could get a movie just out of the life of Lady like, B. I was about to say the Tough Crew. Yeah. I don't know, but I don't know if you get a Maybe movie out of it. I don't know if you get a Maybe movie out of yeah. I went too far. Yeah, I flew too close to the sun. <laughs> you did. Look, 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 I, I appreciate the energy, though. I, <laughs> you could. You look, man. People, people have made far worse movies. Put it. Yeah. Way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Point. <laughs> Point. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. Um. All right. Uh. Yeah. Damon Williams is representing that on that tour. Latifah, MC Light, Naughty by Nature, yeah. Tribe, Leaders. Ghetto Boys, Public Enemy. Look at that lineup. And Nina asked, is that the tour where Trouble T. Roy died? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that is a good question. Hmm. That's a good question. I can look it up right now. Well, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, but that's a really good question. It might be. Yeah. I mean, that's it's it certainly, it's, it's in that pocket. Yeah, because T. T. Roy was after Scott LaRock, right? Oh yeah! Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah! Absolutely! Yeah, yeah Scott the, the, Rock was like 87. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I, mean, I was about to say maybe even before that, because yeah, because I think he like died like almost right when their first right, album came right. out. So Criminal Minded yeah. is like yeah. what 87? Yeah, like 87. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. We we hey, hey Justin, we gotta circle back before we get um the letters, lady. You you said uh paid in full was 88. I believe that was 86. Paid in full was 86. Yeah, no tricks in 86. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right, no tricks in right, 86. Yeah, paid in full was 86. Yeah. Yeah, we'll no, hear from the corrections department. I was about to say, we don't want to hear from the corrections department. Right. <laughs> yeah, Trouble T uh, died in 1990. Mm. Damn. So would that have been the tour? I'm looking at this. That sounds about right, because that's yeah. what we were talking about, like on that yeah, Digital Underground PE. He, he, he died in Indianapolis. 
on tour. It doesn't say who it doesn't say tour, which but... tour it was. Yeah, just well, like, we're, we're we're chiseling home the details. We're getting closer and closer. Yeah. We're getting. We're right yeah. in the movie, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, right here yeah. in real time. Yeah, sure. Here on the on the Michelle. And this this is actually the the type of subject matter where it gets dangerous for the production of the podcast because sure. we'll just sit here and talk about this for three hours. Yeah. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and no work will get done. Right, right, right for sure. And we've got we have to we have to get moving. See, see you got a guess, and that's already happening. I know, I know. And you forced me in the position to do it. I know. That's partially my fault. I, I'll I'll take I'll take blame for it too. So you know, it, we we spread the bl- spread the blame around three ways. Top five. Who's your top five? Ladies and gentlemen, okay. I don't know if this is a great one here, Vincent, because I didn't go for funny. All right, you should probably tell uh, Justin. I'll tell Justin. Top Top five is where I come up with a different top five list every every, uh, show that's kind of built from the movie that we are reviewing. Okay. All All right. Tonight we are reviewing Notorious from mm-hmm. 2009, um, not to be confused with Notorious by Alfred Hitchcock from 1946. Yes, well, I didn't know it was that early. Yes, uh, okay, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Ingrid Bergman, mm-hmm. um, and actually one of my favorite uh, Alfred Hitchcock films. A fine film. It's it's a it's a classic film. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. It is. Yes, it's like, it's like a, and I think Claude Rains is in that movie as well. Oh God, it's such a good movie. Um, it's a, it's a thriller. Yes, it's, it's so dope. And then there's a great scene of Cary Grant walking up a, a flight of stairs with a glass of milk and is the way it's shot. And uh, don't get me started. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so. That got me thinking of the top five movies that share the same name. Okay. 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 I know one that's definitely going to be on there. I don't know what number it's going to be. Well, we'll Ooh. see. Okay. We'll think. Okay. We'll start with number five. Number five. Number five is Gladiator from 1992. And Gladiator from <laughs> 2000. Like they didn't even wait a whole 10 years. Right. To say, yeah, I do not with this. Yeah, I do not with this. And why does it look like soft gay porn? Well, I, I, it's funny you asked that, Vince. The Gladiator from 1992 is um, a film starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and James Marshall, famous from. So this is after he did Boys in the Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Cuba where, Gooding's uh, agent. I don't know if he. <laughs> a pair of teens who find themselves tangled up in the ugly world of underground boxing. I vaguely remember. I just don't remember the picture being quite so homoerotic. <laughs> well, I'm, I, it looks I, like I, an old school boxing promo picture. It doesn't have all the, the text on there. Right, right. Yeah. right. Gooding Ivan Drago too. This time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? right. Right. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's weird, but there you go. It, but that's the thing. Usually, the span is right. It's a little further. A little further. A little further. Right. Right. <laughs> like I don't even think presidential administration. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think like they probably even did a Google search. It's like, 
Yeah, I think we can use it. Right, right, right. We don't it's all right. I think we're safe. It's all right. I think we're safe. All right, number four. Number four. The Fast and the Furious from 1955. Oh. And the Fast and the Furious from 2001. I'm not familiar with the 1955. Yeah, I, I, you, you, you talking? Yeah, I was about to say you teaching right now. Well, you know, I, I try, I try and give. All right, now the Fast and the Furious from 1955. Both of these films are about cars, but that's that's about it. The 1955 one was about a trucker who, after he is framed for murder, goes on the lam. Okay, this was a movie that, that was was filmed in nine days. Oh, okay. With a budget of $50,000 and it stars uh, Jack uh, Elam as the star. Okay. Um, Are you familiar with this film? Have you seen it? I've not seen this movie. I can't say I'm familiar with it, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. I've not seen it, but I, 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 now I want... It sounds interesting, right? Right, right, right. Well, I'm trying to figure out what was fast and what was furious because you say he was a trucker. Yeah, but they made it in nine days. So that's, that's so, what so was the, fast. So the that's film the itself was, part, yeah. that's the fast, I got you, got you. There you go. Fast so he was like driving right. a truck real fast. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're probably furious when they saw that <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody used the name of their movie. Right. Like, Almost 50 years later. Right. <laughs> like, hold up. That, that, that ain't right. That is not right. All right. Now, next up, number three. Number three. Is this the one I'm waiting for? <laughs> You tell me. Okay. This is Crash from 1996 Crash from 2004. Oh, here's the here's thing. I don't even know which one is the Crash that I'm familiar with. Well, the Crash that most people are familiar with is the 2004 one. Four. That's the one that won the Oscar. Okay. That's the one with Jamie Foxx, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, Jamie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie Foxx and... Mm-hmm. um. Uh, is it uh Sandra Bullock is is in that? I believe. Yeah, I, I remember the 2004 one. The 2004 one was good. Yeah. It actually, it it actually is it's 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 weird. Yeah, but it's actually an interesting film. Uh, uh um, uh oh, excuse me, excuse me. I was actually I'm I actually I, I stand corrected. It was a 1996 film that won the the. Uh, Hold on. That's the one with Tandy. I mean, I know, whoa, her, name, whoa, whoa, I know whoa. her name's not Tandy Newton anymore. But, but wait, I want to make sure I want to make sure I'm getting this right. See? 2004 crash proved controversial for picking up the best picture Oscar. That's right. All right. Okay. I was right. The 1996 film um, was by David Cronenberg. And oh, body horror. <laughs> it's based on a, a J. J.G. Ballard novel of the same name about people getting their rocks off Uh from car crashes. Okay. So these people, and this film, I believe, actually stars uh, James Spader, uh, would actually sometimes purposefully get into car crashes so that they can become aroused and then have sex at the scene of the accident. Oh, okay. Man. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stick I'm, with the 2004 version on now. <laughs> right. 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 He says he's not saying anything, but secretly, Justin <laughs> is firing up his air. Right. Right. Prime. He's thinking things. <laughs> nah, man. I 
Yeah, Nair, I'll go ahead. What's number two? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm not thinking that. <laughs> if it take that, then no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, look, anyway. All right, next. All right. Next, moving on. Moving on. I take it that's not the movie you were waiting for. That is not the one I'm waiting for. (laughs) Okay. Then number two is Deja Vu from 1998. A lot of these movies happen within the same. I was about (laughs) to say, they just just don't even care. Like, like we're ordering sushi for lunch. Let's just go ahead, name the sing, keep the sing moving. They don't I, even care, I man. I can't sound familiar with either one of these. Yeah, me either. Oh, yes, you are, Vincent. I am not. Yes, which, you are. Considering the name, it seems like it would seem like I've heard yeah, of. Yeah, you would think you would have a deja vu, but right? No, you no, or at you, least one of them. You, right. you absolutely are familiar with one of them, Vincent. You are um, familiar with the one from two thousand and six. Which starred Denzel Washington. You know, oh, I do remember that one. Yes, yes. I I, I knew you had to know. Does it story. have like a supernatural bit? It's a bit of a yeah, science okay. fiction action film. Uh, yeah, I do remember uh, that. Denzel Washington stars an, as an ATF agent who travels back in time in an attempt to prevent a domestic terrorist attack that takes place in New Orleans and save the woman with whom he will fall in love. The star is Denzel Washington and Paula Patton and was directed by Tony Scott. Okay. I don't think I saw that, but that sounds like it kind of slipped through the cracks. Okay. Yeah, because that was before Man on Fire, right? I think Man on Fire was like 07 or something. You don't have to look it up right now, but yeah. I still remember Denzel having a role like that. It it may have been either before or right after Man on Fire because that's when he was in his Tony Scott like uh, like right. stream and right. he was like he was Tony Tony Scott's go to guy. Yeah, yeah you for know? sure, for sure, most definitely. Yeah. Now, right. so one, I I know what number number one has got to be what I've been waiting for. It's number one. With, uh, let's see. Vincent. It's got to be. Let's see. Number one. Bad uh, Boys from nineteen eighty three. I cannot believe. Let me finish okay, this one before go you go. ahead. And Bad Boy from 1995, which we recently. That's a good just, one now, this one. The 1995, we actually just reviewed uh, 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 about a month or so ago. Bad Boys from 1983, starring Sean Penn, is actually a very slept on. It's film. a very good movie. Yeah. It's Sean Penn. Seen, it's I've Isa Morales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. Like life, and like yeah. yeah. I think it's like in a boys' correctional yeah, yeah. institution. Yeah. But I am actually angry at you angry that at we you. have sat across this table from each other in one form or another mm-hmm. for over half a decade. Yes. Talking about black films. Yes. And you do not have the films Sugar Hill on this list. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you got me, but no, I don't. Because this is the top five. Sugar Hill absolutely should be here before some of these. Well, okay. Tell the truth, shame the devil. You just forgot about it. I forgot about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Sugar Hill. Which yes should be on here. The first Sugar Hill is from the seventies. Yes, is and is a very slept on, but an actually pretty good black exploitation like yeah. horror. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, she she is. Uh, she are you familiar with it, Justin? 
Are you familiar with the 70s Sugar Hill? The, the, the black exploitation film, right? Yeah, uh-huh, I'm, where, where, with I'm not an expert on it, but yeah. Yeah, where, where she raises zombies mm-hmm. to avenge the death of her boyfriend. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's actually... Okay, yeah. He's I, like, all right, you got me, you got me. You yeah, got me. you got me, you got me, you got me. That, 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 that and then there's, of there. course, the gangster flick. The gangster flick from 1994. With, with Wesley Snipes and, yep. I believe, Michael Wright. Michael Wright, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, which hasn't And Teresa yet. Randall. Oh, that's right, Teresa Randall. And there. Ernie Hudson. Ernie uh, Hudson. The Ernie Hudson. OG. Remember Ernie oh, Hudson? Ernie Hudson. Yeah, he, he plays the boxer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I haven't seen that f- film in forever. Somehow it slipped through the crack. I can't believe we haven't done Sugar Hill. I know. The haven't... second one. We've done the first oh, one. Now y'all got it. Somebody got to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll make it so. We'll yeah. make it so and, and, and do Sugar Hill. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgive you. Yeah, I have no choice. <laughs> Did you have... <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, look. All right, so there you go. That's my top five. All right, that's my top five. That was uh, fun, though. I, that was fun. Um, Ashley Feet is pointing out "Birth of a Nation." That's it. That's Birth it. of a Nation. Oh, Birth of a Nation. Yeah. yeah. See. Yeah. yeah. Birth of a Nation. Again, yes, I forgot about Birth of a Nation. However, <laughs> <laughs> what had happened was controversial. <laughs> exactly, and and I wouldn't want to show too much love to the original like i don't even want to talk about the, the, right, the right, original right. birth of a nation so there you go um farrell blackwell says that number one had to be vanilla sky i'm not familiar of two yeah vanilla yeah sky i didn't movies. know there were two vanilla skies I I, I, i'm not mad at what number one was you know what i mean the bad boys and bad boys i get it yeah martin lawrence will smith there's a lot of star power there but yeah i, I do agree about sugar hill but Vanilla Sky, you know, who am I to say your number one shouldn't be Vanilla Sky? But I'm just <laughs> not familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, Pharaoh. Who, who, you know, we ain't gonna say that. They be your number one. Make your own list. Yeah, right. that, that's his. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Get out of here. That's the key. Why you be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of touch and a sense of sound. Degrees of Duravel Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent will attempt to get in six movies or less. Six movies or less. From 70s black exploitation superstar. Juggernaut. Juggernaut. Actor. Icon. Duravel Martin. Duravel Martin. To an actor that I pose to him. Justin, feel free to play on your own or with us. And it's a game of kings. You can provide as you can be a lifeline for Vincent. I believe in ancient Comet. Hey. That is what the kings played with each other. Six degrees of Durville Martin. I love it. Durville Martin is the blackest name of all time. <laughs> is it? Is it it's, not? It's, it, it, if it's not, it's on it, it's it's in the top five power. Right. Not <laughs> But yes, I, it, Vincent, I'm sure you got this on your own, but I'll try to provide as much help as I can. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right, Vincent. All right. And I'm going to move me down here. So mm-hmm. Justin will be up top there. It's six movies or less. Get from Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin to? To. To? Dean Martin. Come on, man. Stop. Come on. Is, is, is D. Martin too easy for you? Vincent? Look, Derville Martin 
was, of course, in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Portier, who's in Porgy and Bess with Sammy Davis Jr., who's in Ocean's Eleven with Dean Martin. Boom. Okay. Come on, man. How are you going to use somebody in the rap pack? Impressive. I know. I know. I know. I know. Very good, Vincent. Yes. Very good. You've shown me. Well, I think you just threw me an easy one because you want to move the show along. <laughs> I still have another one for you. All right. One more. All right. In six movies or less, get from Derville Martin. Derville Martin to Natalie Wood. Okay. Natalie Wood. Yes. All right. Now, Natalie Wood is going to be a fun one. Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with the films of Natalie? I, I'm familiar with the one that I'm going to get to her with. <laughs> <laughs> Durvel Martin, of mm-hmm, course, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was in Sheba Baby with Pam Greer. Yes. Pam Greer is in Jackie Brown. Yes. With, of course, Samuel Jackson. Okay. Samuel L. Jackson is in Django Unchained. Okay. With right. Russ Tamblin. Mm. Fucking Russ Tamblin. Russ Tamblin. <laughs> you never, you never know uh, when I'm pulling out Russ Tamblin. Oh God. You I never can't... know when I'm gonna pull out Russ Tamblin, who of course plays Riff in West Side Story. Yeah. With Natalie Wood. Yeah. Wow. Yo, that is like one of the most <laughs> phenomenal things I've ever seen in my life. Wow. That is incredible. Whoa, hold on. You got one more for him? Like, that's incredible. Wow. Wow. Vincent, man, if I was at a bar, I'd buy you a drink right now. That's incredible, bro. All right. I forgot about Russ Tamlin. You can never forget I about Russ Tamlin. Because I see, I always got to remember your three keys. Your three keys are Samuel Jackson, <laughs> Samuel Jackson, Russ Tamlin, Russ Tamlin, and uh, Dick Anthony Williams. Dick Anthony Williams. And I got to remember there. Those are your keys. Mm-hmm. Hi, you knew as soon as he said Sam Jackson, he was like, Dang. I knew, I knew exactly where he was going. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I've been, I've seen, I, I've been on this road before. All right, that's. All right. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> if I could monetize this, hey, hey, I could look, make some money from it. Hey, look, people again, people make money for less. <laughs> so the, we, we we can figure out a way to monetize that for sure. I'm trying to come up. The only one I could come up with. All right, all right, fuck it. Who you got? If you do this one, I will come over there and kiss your feet. Uh, all right. That's oh, wow. really all right. It, okay, it, it, where you got? going? I wouldn't, I wouldn't promise that. But <laughs> What you got? In six movies or less. Six movies or less. Dervil Martin. Dervil Martin. To Groucho Marx. See, Groucho Marx is, is, is really hard for me because I don't know. That's <laughs> not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you did Shirley Temple before. I did do Shirley Temple, but Shirley Temple was in movies with black people. Yeah. See, Groucho Marx. There are some black people in these movies. Are they? They're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything Groucho Marx was in besides. Uh, 
I actually don't know if I know any movies he was. You never in. watched the Marx Brothers? Any of the Marx Brothers? Were they movies or were they shorts? No, they were movies. They were movies. You're thinking of Lauren Hardy did shorts. Right. The Marx I, Brothers. I got only nothing did for Groucho. You know what? I got nothing for Groucho Marx. <sighs> My lips are You're, safe. I was about to say your lips are safe. <laughs> Thank you. Your lips are safe. Because did he, when did he die? He dies in the 70s. How, how late did he make movies? His last film is in the 60s. It's a infamously horrible film. Okay. Called Skidoo. Who's he in it with? Okay. He's in it with uh, Jackie Gleason. Okay. And oh, well, see, see, that's it then. There you go. There you go, right there, because Dervo Martin is in um is in guess who's coming to dinner with Sydney Portier Sydney Portier is in Paris Blues with um Paul Newman mm-hmm. uh-huh. Paul Newman is in um The Hustler there you go with Jackie Gleason, Jackie Gleason who apparently is in this movie with Groucho Marx there you go there you go well done that's still incredible <laughs> that's still incredible like you like I don't care if you had to give him a walk up to it, but that you still have to remember Jackie Gleason's filmography. You still have to remember Sidney Poitier, Paul Newman, Derville Martin. I'm, I know you got Derville Martin lined up, but even still, like, hey man, that that's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I've, I've done a lot of interviews and a lot of podcasts, but I ain't never seen anything like that. Like, that's Justin, I <laughs> if I could monetize it, I'd make some money. Hey, look, look, look! There's still time. Okay. Yeah. Still time. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk. Let's talk to the Mister Anscape and see what we. Can I make know, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Look, trust me. There's money to be made off of it. All right. Well. Yeah. well all right. All right. All right. That all was right. Cool. That was pretty dope. That was phenomenal. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time for us to get into our review of Notorious. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. you how to die. You ain't got nothing I haven't seen. It's the heavy set one with the big gun and the sweet tooth. You won't end up like those worthless bums you hang with. Don't you see that? One of you is going down for carrying an illegal firearm. You decide who. This music you got going on, it don't come around every day. When you make it, we all make it. If I don't make it, not going back on the block. Not if I take this bid for your ass. It's my life, you feel me? Tell Puff I'm down with chasing the dream. Whatever he want me to do, I'm in. Yeah, he got sex appeal like LL? Yeah, a little bigger than that. What, like Heavy D? He a little darker than that. Yo, he look like Wesley Snipes? He ain't Wesley. 
The West Coast, they got Snoop, they got Dre. The East Coast, they just waiting for somebody to fill that void. Puff, maybe in the right hands, I could be one of the greatest. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Are you a bad guy trying to be good? You seeing anybody? Or a good guy trying to be bad? There's someone trying to make you laugh. Whatever you say, big papa. I let my tape rock to my tape pop. What kind of grown-ass man calls himself puffy? By the time you're 21, I'll make you into a millionaire. Just keep an eye out for the media, for the public, and for your fake-ass friends. Yes, and all that good average and stuff will be on the shop. <laughs> oh, I know that. Shorten some of that top five shit. All right. <laughs> all right. Tell me when. Notorious is a 2009 American biographical drama about American MC and icon Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., following his life up until his murder. Directed by George Tillman Jr. and written by Reggie Rock Blythewood and Chio Hadari Coker, the film stars Jamal Woolard as Wallace alongside Angela Bassett as his mother, Derek Luke as Sean Puffy Combs, and Anthony Mackie as Tupac Shakur, with strong turns by Natari Naughton as Lil' Kim. Mm. As we continue our conversation here in June, Black Music Month, we will begin our conversation about this film, which was chosen by Lynn Webb, special guest Justin Tinsley. Lynn, what do you have to say about Notorious? Well, I'm going to turn things over to our guest and let and, and let Justin uh, speak first. Uh, what do you, Justin, have to say about Notorious? Yeah, I mean, that's probably like a loaded question because you can take it so many different ways. And I'm sure we're going to take it uh, in at least 120 within this discussion. <laughs> um, I think I, I think it, I think it's I think it's a good film. I think it's a, a definitely if that was your introduction to the Notorious B.I.G. And really in his not necessarily his music because his music had been out long before then. But I think if that was your introduction to the Notorious B.I.G. in 2009 when you saw that film, then hopefully it made you want to learn more about the Notorious B.I.G. Because, of course, um, there there's so much more to learn. There's so many parts that um, were either, you know, not included in the movie just for time, you know, constructs purposes or for a litany of other reasons. I remember one of the big criticisms that that came out about the movie in real time was just more so about Lil' Kim's character and mm -hmm. how she was portrayed mm -hmm. and uh, you know, yeah, how she was shown in the movie. And I think that's a, I think that's a very, very valid criticism. It's a very, very valid concern. And 
I, lo- I look at it like it's always going to be difficult because I, kn- I know the people who were involved in the movie, whether it be obviously his mother, Valletta Wallace, and she's going to want it to be trait be portrayed a certain way about her son and how, how he looks, which is more than understandable. And, you know, Chell Hadari Coker wrote the incredible original Biggie biography, which was unbelievable. It came out in 2003. Um, you're not going to be able to, to hammer home every facet of Christopher Wallace's life. And there were a ton of facets that went into that movie, whether it be, you know, his time in North Carolina when he was hustling, or maybe it was his time when he was growing up, even before, you know, he he stepped off his stoop and, and you know, started, you know, moving away, doing whatever he had to do. Um, you're going to have to fast forward different pockets of his life. And I knew even in 2009 when the movie came out, I was like, OK, well, they didn't really focus on this, but more so focused on that, because I understand it's Hollywood. you got to sell a story at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Um, I think it was a great introduction to him, but it shouldn't be the end all be all to who Christopher Wallace was. Good, bad and indifferent. Yeah, see, I I agree with you too because I think I, I came away from this film feeling like, in many ways, this film, which you know tries to encompass as much of his life as as it can, but of course, like you know, truncates and massages some things and you know lumps some things together. It still very much comes off as like the cliff notes version of Biggie Smalls. Mm-hmm. Right. And and in doing so, it it made me question, okay, is there really an original film here? Because actually what this film is about is about uh a young man who comes from a bit of a broken home. You know, you see, you see his his wife, his mother, and his father getting in, getting into it. Where you learn that um, he was the Biggie was the the product of what I, I'm it's like seems like an affair between the two of them because like the father is, is is married and not with not raising the son who. Um, so he's being raised by his mother. He comes from a broken home and then he inevitably turns to the streets, turns to drugs as a way of trying to make his way in the, in this world. And through the, um, I don't know, it's not necessarily through the drug drug games that he is introduced to hip hop because you're shown at least in this film that he seems to be, always like uh playing at rapping like mm-hmm. kids did at that time everybody had like their bars that they were writing and right. you know he became a little bit more prolific with it you know um and then ultimately because he's he's got a little money and he's getting a little little fame and his name is starting to, to ring out in the city um at this time in in hip hop then he gets his shot and he he runs he runs with it and it's not it it's not a story that we haven't heard before right the difference is is that this is Christopher Wallace it is Biggie Smalls and when Biggie Smalls does hit 
he does hit with the force that someone his size is going to hit with right he he definitely resonates um but i think in changing some of the aspects of his story and watering some things down i think you lose some of the the great things that are in his story um like the biggest thing is that he while his name is rung is ringing out you don't get a sense of the world of hip hop at this time. Right. And I think you really do. If you find out that he really gets his shot because of source magazine, because that them playing him up and, and, and putting him in there is, is why all of a sudden people's like, what, who, who's this, who's this cat? Like we've never heard of. And that's how he, his name starts to get rung out. You know, building out on that world of hip hop, the the bigger world of of hip hop, especially in the heart of New York. I mean, like you, we just talked about. You could go to a high school and see about four or five future superstars right there. Right. There is no this movie like really just shrinks everything down to about these four or five characters: Biggie, Puff. His mother, who leaves the movie for pieces of of a time, um, his 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 friend, uh, and that's about it. And then little Kim and C's are running in and out uh, out of here a little bit, but really that's a that's it. And I think they just smoothed out too many rough spots from Biggie. Let me let me pull back on that. I do think that this film, to its credit, does try to show a bit of an evened view of of Biggie Smalls. Mm -hmm. It doesn't try to paint him over as like, you know, just this misunderstood guy. They show a lot of his foibles right here on the screen. And that is something that a lot of biopics, not just hip hop biopics, don't take the opportunity to do. Some of the, some of what they show, I feel comes off as a little bit gratuitous, but still it is there for you to see it's not being it's not being hidden. And his mother, uh, Valletta Wallace, at least in interviews, spoke of, you know, seeing or, or reading some of those scenes and and seeing the, some of those scenes played out as scenes that she was not aware of. Getting right. a window into the other side of her of her son. Um, so I do have to champion the film for that. But I think there's so many other liberties with the story that are taken in watering it down that it just really comes off as very cookie cutter and for 2009 and for a George Tillman, a director who will go on to be, to be fair, to show greater skill in some other of his later films. I mean, he directed soul food. Yeah. Like this is a, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's the real deal. Yeah. In this film, I feel that it, this movie directorially is very paint by the numbers. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think, first of all, I agree with both of you. 
you, you know, and, and just the, the way <laughs> I love the way both of you kind of shaped your critique where, where, where Justin, you said it's a nice introduction, which was a nice way of saying this can't be the only text that you use. And yeah, even, sure. and you know, and Lynn, you said cliff notes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an example of something, Justin, that Lynn and I have talked about over the years. I call it the, the, um, the Barry Gordy principle, where I always say you're never going to hear the actual story of Motown. Yeah. While Barry Gordy in Barry Gordy's, Gordy's camp. Mm-hmm. has enough power to control the narrative. And I think what we're seeing now as we all get a little older and this music and this culture from this moment is now moving into this period where where these principles are trying to put their legacy together. Mm-hmm. The same type of thing where I do think there is a bit of controlling the narrative mm-hmm. of, yeah. of what happened and how you're going to deal with it. And unfortunately what happens then is you get what you you're talking about, Lynn, where it's a bit cookie cutter. And let me be clear. While I do think in, in, in what I'm talking about, there is a one-to-one comparison between Barry Gordy and Sean Puffy Combs. Mm-hmm. In my mind, what is so fascinating about this period and what was so sad about this period is that while it's easy to point fingers at Puffy, at um, Shug Knight, because they were the dudes who were the heads of their respective companies. Yeah. Everybody was eaten off of this East Coast, West Coast rivalry. Like everybody, like there's a split second in this movie where they show the covers to vibe. Mm-hmm. And and Justin, you talked about that infamous cover. But yeah. in retrospect, whether we're talking about vibe, whether we're talking about source, whether we're talking about double XL, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about BET, whether we're talking about MTV, yep, whether yep. we're talking about Rolling Stone, whether we're talking about the respective radio stations. It was in everybody's financial interests to keep this thing going. Yeah, yeah. And in everyone's defense, I don't think anyone thought it would end with people actually dying. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there have always been rivalries and musicians and groups and, you know, I'm in this camp and you're in that camp. But to to me, what was so unique about this moment like this was really almost a moment when the culture went through this adolescence like like in my mind this is the moment where so many of us who loved hip-hop realized that this was not just you you know uh, like it wasn't just music it wasn't just a pastime like this these are real people's lives being affected right and that part is is I think what could have elevated this yeah. from the cookie cutterness, the cookie cutter nature that you're talking about. But unfortunately, I think if you actually talk about that, it's a lot of people's whose hands yeah. have a little yeah. dirt on it that in 2009, nobody's necessarily trying to put that in a movie. 
I mean, it's, it's in, in a lot of ways, people are still not trying to put it in movies, books, or in documentaries. And it's 2022. It's been a quarter century since uh, the Notorious B.I.G. died. It's been right. uh, almost 26 years since Tupac died. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, ev- everything that's been said on here, I- I'm not going to combat against it because I think I think it's fair and I think it's accurate in its own ways. You know, but as Vincent said, like if if you want to focus on like that that era of Suge, Suge, Suge Knight and Puffy and Bad Boy and Death Row, that right there is not only its own movie, it's it's its own miniseries, it's its own mm-hmm. Marvel universe in a sense. Amen. You know? Amen. Like it, because there were, I think the thing we got to understand, especially with Biggie, his first album came out in September 1994. He was dead by March 1997. That's two and a half years. And over that two and a half years, so much happened. Mm-hmm. So many players came in and out and in the story and out the story again. And like, there's, yeah, there, there's no way to do this in a movie that, that's, you know, supposed to be reflective of somebody's entire life over the course of however long the movie is going to be. Like, you're going to, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to give this movie any like uh, anything to stand on. Like, well, this is why this happened, but this is why this happened. It, it, it's, it's when you look back on a movie like Selma that focused on like Martin Luther King's life for like a two year span, and they really could focus on you know what, mm-hmm. led yeah. to right, right, like which made which made so much sense. So you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of things that got left out. I mean, you just mentioned the Source magazine and Biggie's demo, like, yeah, that's what blew him up. But there was also two major points of that story that weren't really hammered home in the movie. It's DJ 50 Grand, who just recently passed a few weeks ago. DJ 50 Grand, who was hustling on Bedford and Quincy, who was introduced to Biggie by his friend, Damian D-Rock Butler, which mm-hmm. is you know one of Big's closest friends. Uh, he introduced Biggie to 50 Grand. 50 Grand produced their original demo the first day that they met he passed it off to dj mr c who was big daddy kane's dj at the time right right big, you know mr c basically redid the demo got it to maddie c at the source who eventually got it to puffy at uptown and then the story takes off from there so like you even focus on that like it, that takes up like 45 50 I'll say, that's damn near a movie what you just said yeah no it is right it biggie's is. demo it is it is, man. Like that. Like Biggie's Biggie's demo is its own movie because Biggie's still well within the streets, hustling between Brooklyn and Raleigh, North Carolina at that time. Which again, you don't really see a lot of in no. that movie. But you got to get people to where they're most easily recognizable to a figure, or a figure is most easily sure. recognizable to them, which is his career. But there's so much that happened to Christopher Wallace between the ages of. I would say 15 and 19 that they just couldn't get in the movie that, yeah, it's this, going to be seen as cookie cutter or you skimmed over it and it wasn't. Um, yeah. And, and just talking about unique perspective to separate this from, you know, whoever's story, you know, random R and B singer story. Yeah. I don't know if you watch the, uh, the Wu-Tang clan yeah. show, but Hulu, I, right? On Hulu, but I think that's something that they deal with so well, that transitional period in mm-hmm. these young men's lives between hustling and committing to music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know, in retrospect, it's like, well, of course, 
Biggie should have been an MC. My God, listen to him. But like, how do you sell this to somebody who's a 16, 17 year old boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this is something you can do. Yeah. This is something you can make right, right. Like, like there's so you know talking about uh, again, and this is always my thing about the real story is who controls the story. Yeah, I would have loved more time between that moment when Puffy gets fired by Andre yeah. Harrell and yeah. starts Bad Boy, like that period where he's in his very formative stage. Yeah, and like he's trying to sell this dream. Yeah. Like it's actually inspirational, but again, we got to get to all this other stuff. We got two hours. So. I mean, y'all y'all mentioned mo- moments in hip hop history that could be turned into his own movie. Puffy getting fired from Uptown to Vince's credit can yeah. absolutely be a movie. Puffy Puffy himself deserves right a movie. Get, that's that's when he is that when he gets the Range Rover. Probably so. It like, goes to uh, Andre Harrell's house. Yeah, to yeah. To try to pretend like, he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not really hurt. Oh, he's hurt because yeah. Andre Harrell was his lifeline. Like, and to be credit to his credit, Puffy he had Uptown popping in his own way. He helped Jodeci get popping. He helped Mary Jay take it to a new level. Right. He helped he, he helped launch Mary J. Like, yeah. who's not in the film at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, she's not in the film because. It's not the bad boy movie. Right, right, it's, right. It's not the puffy movie as much as he, he is in there. Um, yeah. it is it is still Biggie Small's movie. This is the the story of Christopher Wallace. So I'm so there's a part of me that yeah, I I could have seen more from the leaving uptown to the to the creation, the formation of bad boys, but I feel like a lot of that is a little bit like gets into the weeds of some things sure and more that's puffy fair. centric um but i just want to see craig mack yeah, yeah. craig mack is in here <laughs> right he doesn't say anything right 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 which which is completely opposite of the craig mack who craig mack was craig mack always talked it was biggie who hardly said anything right 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 um which i think is is it's a little interesting that he doesn't say anything and but it doesn't need to hear there i but i could have seen more of Biggie in that transition. Yes. Like, and now, and this is where, to a degree, I think, yes, the, the, I, I'm calling failings on the direction, but I think there's a little bit of failing on the acting in this movie as well. Because while I do think Jam- Jamal Woolard is definitely an imposing figure just like Biggie was. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, he doesn't, he does a good approximation of Biggie in his tone and in his speaking style and everything like that. I think his shortcomings of an actor uh, are shown where there are moments to show any type of real nuance or, or depth or another emotion. Those moments are, are few in this film, but they are there. And I think that's where it, uh, it, 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 his small resume, you know, um, fail, you know, fails him or, or, or it shows sure. in, in this film because yeah. at, at though at that time, 
there are there are scenes which are meant to at least they read to me is we are meant to feel the hunger that Biggie is feeling at that moment because yeah. at that moment that Puffy does get fired Biggie thinks that he the you know well, he's about to make his big move he's just connected with Puffy he's ha- has a daughter you know he's he's going to try and maybe move off the streets or part-time the streets because you know this hip-hop thing is about to pop off and then all of a sudden his legs are cut out from under him with puffy being fired and you're meant to see a little bit of desperation in in on his part at that at that time where he kind of like starts to double down on some of that street stuff Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really come off i don't think i don't think the the scenes really warrant it. And I also don't think he sells it. I don't think he sells that desperation that I, at least I felt that we are meant to, to feel from him in, in the moments. I think, I think that's a very fair assessment because I think there were a lot of uh, emotional crossroads in, in, in Biggie's short life that mm-hmm. you know, deserved that moment of, you know, dexterity that, you know, maybe, you know, an actor who has a couple of roles uh, under their belt. I, I, again, I think Jamal Wolford did a great job in just portraying Biggie and just, I mean, he was a rapper at the time too, named Gravy. So Gravy, he, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he understood the, the nuances that would come with being, you know, an artist. And I think he did well in that. But yeah, there, there were certain, you know, emotional and like really, important moments within the film that you know yeah it's fair to say like okay well he, he might have could have played that better especially with you know years of hindsight and not being caught up in the hoopla which was the initial release of the movie which was a big deal at the mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think that's fair uh i like him in there but i your your critique lynn i'm not i i, I don't have any pushback on on that at all yeah, yeah. We we've alluded to it, but I do think it it is worth talking about a little bit at length. The the depiction of little Kim for sure is yeah. is it 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 is actually shocking and a little distracting mm-hmm. in a film that as I think all of us agree in a lot of ways is very cookie cutter. It's very much sort of boilerplate biopic. And it is it it is almost distracting how you have this depiction of little kim that is is reductive in in portraying the relationship the complicated relationship Very. that she had with biggie um i hesitate to use the e word exploitation but i did think that some of the nudity some of of the 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 sex scenes were a little gratuitous for what we're, you know, for what this is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and when you read about the making of the film and you read little Kim's reaction oh. to the film, yeah, you understand why she, you, you know, had the negative reaction she is. And I, I just, she was just short to say her reaction was she wasn't feeling it. She wasn't feeling she, it. Not at all. And yeah. just again, sure. speaking to a critique of this film, just as a film, it took me out of the film. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really just took me out of the film. You, you know, you have the first scene, you, you know, this sort of sex scene. And then, you know, it's like three scenes or three moments 
where Natori Norton is is in this state of undress. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of unnecessary. Yeah. So totally. Totally. Especially considering how she's introduced to the movie in the movie. Um, at first, she is just a person on the street who sees what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you're meant to believe that they kind of like catch each other's eye. I I don't know. I think you're meant to believe it. Um and then later they have uh, another run in on the street. Um, and there's a little bit of a playfulness about, about the two of them, Biggie and, and Kim. And it feels, you know, a little genuine, you know, and for her to be portrayed the rest of the way in the movie, like she, like she is and like you said i do think the her her nudity is very gratuitous mm-hmm. in this film um and the sex scene is wildly gratuitous um and what i also feel is disingenuous about this movie and you were speaking about little kim's reaction there is a there, there's an interview with puffy about the little Kim portrayal in this film. And this is after him talking about how much he, you know, he champions the film and he feels like we got it right. And, you know, we were trying to show Chris, you know, all sides of Chris and, you know, like, you know, I'm really proud of the film. And then somebody brings up about, you know, little Kim and her reaction to the film. And then Puffy is like, yeah, well, you really can't pay attention to anything about Little Kim in that film. Like, like the film is good, but anything about Little Kim, don't pay attention to that. Because yeah, that's right. She's right. That's it's it's totally wrong. I'm like, dude, you have, you literally are talking out of both sides of your mouth right here. Right. You right. know, which we know is an art form that he has mastered. Right. right. <laughs> and he he puts it on display right there. So, and that's why I really really felt like that and, and don't get me wrong i like little kim i'm not like a super i'm not gonna cape up for little kim even though i caped up for her in gangs of roses i thought she was one of the best things but um yeah i that really just like felt really really icky to me i think uh just little kim as as an artist as a woman as a whole just in the within the grand scheme of uh, grand scheme of hip-hop lore her story has still yet to be fully told. Uh, mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. there is a book coming out later this year that I'm super, super excited about that Lil' Kim is, she's basically telling her entire story. And I think that is a story that is well, well overdue. In regards to to Notorious, um, yeah, that is definitely one of the biggest read, you know, one of the biggest critiques of the movie. You know, just how Lil' Kim is portrayed as, you know, she's portrayed as basically like, um the mistress or the sex object and if you know anything about biggie and lil kim's relationship you know it was highly creative they 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 created some great songs together they created some great art it was highly passionate at times and it was very highly volatile at others Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and lil kim has done she 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 hasn't hidden the fact that like her and big's relationship at times became very physical and it's just she doesn't she doesn't demean him for that now, but she was like, I'd be, I'd be, you know, disingenuous to say that that wasn't a part of my life with him at, at certain points. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
again, this the, the same way when I was writing my book, like you have to talk about this type of stuff because it actually happened. Like no one, no one can deny that it actually happened, and no one can deny that um, Lil Kim is an integral part of the notorious B.I.G. Christopher Wallace story, mm-hmm. you know, and that that opens up doors to so many other conversations, whether it be um, you know infidelity in marriages, whether it mm-hmm. be um, and you know uh, interpersonal uh, relationships, whether it be emotional violence, physical violence, whatever the case may be, all of these things are entry points into larger conversations. And yes, like it, 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 if if you're Lil Kim and you're watching this movie, on one hand, you want Biggie to have his story told on a grand fashion because at the end of the day, she still loves Biggie Small, she still loves Christopher Wallace, but you don't want your part in the story to be sacrificed or uh, or anything of that nature along the way because then it 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 paint it paints your own story in an incorrect manner so like i it, it it it'd be it's difficult to 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 not understand why kim wouldn't feel a way about you know her role in the movie damn most definitely yeah um i do want to point out two other things in regards to the women in this film. One is the um, portrayal of Mrs. Wallace, um, Valletta yeah. Wallace um, by Angela Bassett, um, who, you know, we're big fans of Angela Bassett in on, on the Michelle mission uh, goes without yeah. saying. Uh, I think she lends her name to to this film. I don't think this is necessarily her best work. I don't think she's given the, the best yeah, the best stuff to work know. with. Um, I do think a, another a different shade of gratuity to me and maybe gratuity is, is the wrong word is while I know that this story of Biggie's mother surviving breast cancer, I think on two separate occasions mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm correct um, is is true. I think the way that it is played up in this film and then pretty much forgotten for the rest of the film I think is like a, a little bit gratuitous to trying to pull on your heartstrings to get you to a, like another way of trying to make you see him in the softer side of a biggie and and yet it then is never really returned to except in like just a throwaway line right you know what i mean and then like i mentioned she exit the film for a great bit of time and pretty much just plays returns on the phone now to hear miss uh his actual mother speak that probably is more along the what happened because he's sure. out there living. I was his, about to say that's yeah, living his life in those two and a half years that uh, that uh, of his skyrocket stardom. But to play like the the pull the heartstrings to play the harp so sharply mm-hmm. in that it it uh, in the beginning and then to just ease her off like everything about her surviving this is done off screen mm-hmm. and like i think that is very disin- disingenuous and i and i think that is um uh a detriment to her character and i think also a detriment to the relationship you're trying to show between him and his mom 
You know, you you need to see that that in the in the midst of him still being every bit of the Biggie Smalls we all know and love and to a degree fear, he still is his mother's son. And I think you lose that by not at least returning to that to see to, to put some type some type of bow on that that, that you showed. Um and then the other one I want to shout out is that, and actually I think is maybe the best performance in this film, and that's Antonique Smith as Faith Evans. Mm. I, I actually liked her portrayal as Faith. Um, there's a complication to her story as well that probably is not given the true nuance in this film that it deserves, but she is one of the few women that is allowed to have some shade of agency of her own in this film probably because you know i don't i don't think i see all her name in the producer's realm but i i gotta think that miss valetta wallace the, the mom may be trying to she's part of the estate i think faith yeah. was involved that's right that's yeah, right that's very right. much so because she's, yeah. she's definitely the the wife at the time so um and maybe th- and that plays a part to why she is allowed to have a little bit of agency. That being said, you still got to get it across. You still g- got to get the uh, character across the 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 person, the the real life person that is Faith Evans up on their screen. And I think that Antonique Smith actually does a, a good job of that. You know, Faith is such a, obviously an integral and important part within the story for for obvious reasons. But um, one thing that's always been important to me in in retelling, you know, the Biggie story is making sure like Faith wasn't just his wife. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. She was a superstar R&B singer. She was an incredible songwriter in her own right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how she made her bones, right? Exactly. Like she wasn't just somebody who, Biggie saw on the street, thought it was cute, and was like, "Oh, you're going to be my wife now." Like, no, she had she had chops as well. Yeah. You know, they met at a they met at a bad boy photo shoot in June of '94. So, like, it, that's the thing about telling Christopher Wallace's story too. To tell his story accurately, you have to tell the story of so many people within his universe and tell right. their story as as complete as you can and sometimes it's not going to be the big characters like like a faith evans or or uh valetta wallace or or puffy it's, sometimes it's going to be donald harrison who was the jazz player that grew up in big's neighborhood that really turned big on to how to record music like how to far stand back from a from a microphone or he, hear the cadence of this trumpet and try to use it for your own flow within hip-hop you know you can't fit all of that into a movie, but that doesn't mean that it's not as vitally important to the story as the, the high points or low points that we may know. Yeah. 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 I I think, I think what everybody is saying is you, you really needed more. Mm -hmm. You really needed more. Like, like I, I agree with you about the way uh, Ms. Wallace's cancer was, was treated but it's only a two-hour movie like it's only so much you you say it's an only a two-hour movie yet there are some scenes that are literal literal recreation of biggie videos like 
full songs. That but those easily, are iconic moments. Yeah, but they easily could have been edited down. Yeah, well, yeah. They easily could have been edited down. You know? I mean, yeah. come on. Come on. Come on. But I guess the actual question that we ask all the time is would we recommend this film? Hmm. 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 We'll start with our guest. Are we going to start with Justin? We'll oh, start good. with Justin. <laughs> Justin, would you recommend the film Notorious? Oh, oh, you're you're muted. You're muted, Justin. Oh, how do I want to mute? Oh, there you go. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I would recommend it, but no, it cannot be your. If this is it, look. A lot of people consume information in a lot of ways. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a movie. So if your initial introduction is like, oh, Biggie Smalls has a movie. Let me go watch it. You should go watch it. But don't let it be your only education into who Christopher Wallace actually is, because you will not get the complete picture. And like if 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 you're doing the true understanding to under to, you know, really get to know who this man was and why his presence you know, remains so vital within pop culture even to this day. You can't let this movie be the the only the only knowledge that you have. I'm not even saying read my own book. Yes, please go read my book. Please go read the book. But don't let that be the only thing either. Because while this young man only lived to be 24 years old, he packed so much within the dash between the day he was born and the day he died on his tombstone that you're not going to get it all within one foul swoop. So yes, watch the movie, but don't let it be the only thing you ever come to know, understand, and respect about Christopher Wallace. Okay. Lynn? Uh, I I got to say that I agree with Justin. And until the... Until the uh, HBO Max limited series Bad Boys comes out, mm-hmm. the actual the actual five part docudrama of the story of the label of Bad Boy, which I think will tell the actual tale of, of Christopher Small. Uh, I do I I. Hmm. God, I think I have to recommend that you see Notorious. Okay. And I didn't think I would land there. I I think I am landing where everyone else is landing. Um. So there you go, three for three for the same with the same caveats. Wow. Yeah. You know this this can be your beginning, but it certainly should not be your end. No, so there you have it. Uh, Justin, thank you so, so much. The name of your book? It was All the Dream, Biggie in the World That Made Him. Came out last month. And it's in stores now, ladies and gentlemen. Check it out. Go check out this book, a phenomenal book. Speaking of that, as much as you can tell, I don't want to give away from from the movie, how much of of the end of the movie, which precludes to Biggie like trying to like maybe turning the page, how much that is true versus Hollywood writing? 
I think it was true because in the last hours of his life, he was calling a bunch of people saying like, yo, when I get back to New York, I want to do this. You know, when we link up again, I want to do this. But it wasn't just necessarily like this epiphany he -hmm. had within the final final hours. One thing that's very important in terms of like how Biggie Small saw himself in the world was a car accident he had in September of 1996, roughly around the same time that uh, Tupac was murdered. And, you know, Biggie had to be cut out of the car with the jaws of life and, you know, spending time in rehab for like two and three months. And it was just him. And he's looking up at the ceiling in the rehab center. It really allowed him to reevaluate his place in the world and how he was treating people and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, he had, he was calling people towards the end of his life, but he was also doing that a lot in the months leading up to it as well. There you go. And that's another moment that is uh, sadly uh, missing in detail from, from the film. Um, but check that out. Justin Tinsley, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Justin. Really appreciate you taking the time, brother. Thank you all for having me, man. I, I've thir- thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to be thinking about moments in hip hop to film movies around for the for the rest of the week. <laughs> now. So I'm, I'm going to be hitting you all up about it. Well, right. please do. And please do. And feel free when you uh, come up with a movie of your own that you want to review, let us know. We'll Absolutely. bring you back on, man. Absolutely. Please so so we talk, we've, we've talked about the book. Where else can people see you and read you? Uh, you can read me on Anscape.com, formerly known as The Undefeated. You can, call, uh, you can also catch me on ESPN's Around the Horn at least once a week. I'm a, I'm a regular panelist on there. And uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm really mainly active on instagram and twitter i haven't really figured out how to use tiktok yet i gotta ask my younger cousins how to do it but (laughs) find me on tiktok and instagram i'm not tiktok twitter and instagram and it's my name at justin tinsley all right all right thank you so much ladies and gentlemen thank Um, you we're gonna let justin go right now before we uh, as we close out the show thank you again justin take care buddy Thank y'all. Thank y'all for having me on. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week here on the Michelle Mission, I want to invite you to check us out. The website, michellemission.com, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made, where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs available by way of T Public. Email us at michellemission at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 215 867 9666. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Show Mission. Subscribe on YouTube and Twitch at Show Mission. Give us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That helps people find our show. And the Show Mission is a proud member of The Podglomerate. Thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week, as we close out Black Music Month, we shut it down with the queen of soul i know that's right and we don't shut it down with someone playing the queen of soul somebody Mm. portraying the queen of soul Mm. we shut it down with the actual Mm. queen of soul from 2018 as we review the documentary amazing grace Mm. 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 now that's the way to shut it down that's the way to shut it down. that's the way to shut it down this is a show stopper amen next week here on the show mission until then he's vince i'm len and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again